Hey, what's up guys? It's Brett and it is that time of year when you are getting excited about the holidays, spending time with friends, with family, and also looking forward to next year. You, as many businesses, large and small, all have the opportunity right now to start figuring out what your new year will have in store for you. Many of us have so many great ideas when it comes to setting goals for ourselves, both personally and professionally. And if you knew of some proven practices around setting yourself up for success, and you could model that process, it could change your entire year, and in turn, the outcome for the rest of your life. That's why for this episode, I asked Jay Papazan to come on to the show, and the purpose of this is for him to share with you the insight that he possesses when it comes to clarity and direction for oneself due to the impact that it has on you and those that are close to you. Jay has repeatedly written books that have landed him on various bestsellers lists, and his ability to gain brilliantly clear direction for his life and others that are in it is not something that you want to miss out on. So thanks for tuning into this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave us a review and a rating. It is always much appreciated. And while you're listening to this, when you hear some really solid content that you're gaining value from, Share this episode with somebody close to you, or maybe share it with somebody who you haven't connected with in several months, maybe over a year, maybe more than that, and share this episode with them because of the impact that it will have on them just as it will have on you. And without dragging this thing on too much, I welcome Jay Papazan. Hey, everybody. Welcome to BTL, the Born to Lead podcast. This is your host, Brett Kelly, and I've got the one and the only best-selling author of The One Thing, Shift, Hold, Flip, Millionaire Real Estate Agent, Millionaire Real Estate Investor, just to name a few. That was more than just a few, though. I've got Jay Papazan with me. So, Jay, welcome. Thank you for being on here. It is a pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the warm intro. Yes. So, uh, generally we kind of go through like, well, how did you start with where you're, where you're at, where, where'd you come from and all of that, but let's go the, the opposite direction with it, Jay, who are you becoming? <laughs> um, it's always a journey, right? I've been, uh, I've been with Keller Williams now for 20 years, um, 18 of those working closely and reporting to Gary Keller. So, um, I've become somewhat used to a lot of uncomfortable growth. And if I had to be truthful, maybe a little addicted to like that journey. Um, mm-hmm. My wife and I um, regularly look out five years. Um, we do a goal setting retreat and we look out five years and we ask, where do we want to be um, as people? And where do we want to be um, as professionals and family? So some of the things that I figured out in the last 10 years about who I want to be um, come down to kind of three words, family impact and abundance. Um, those are like my three core values that I've been focused on. And so I usually look up and ask, um, the choices that we're making over the next 10 years, will that make it a, my family life, a nine out of 10, um, minimum, you know, will I have an impact nine out of 10? Um, will it be creating abundance for us and others, nine out of 10? And that's kind of the decision-making framework. Um, 
I don't tell you, I can't tell you a specific destination, but I can tell you directionally, um, I will be writing more books. Um, I will be doing more collaborations. Like I've got one that I'm trying to work out with my wife, which would be so fun to be able to co-author a book with her. That's awesome. Um, my best friend, my partner on this journey. Um, so we have always more ideas than we can actually execute on while living the one thing. But um, it will be a way for us to continue, usually with a written word or in a training room, um, help people solve better problems and improve their lives. Because that's kind of what everything we do. You can say, oh, it's about real estate. No, I mean, like the millionaire real estate agent was about helping salespeople build a business. Mm-hmm. Like, and I saw that as a journey for, from working for someone to owning something worth owning and therefore being able to change more lives. So how do we augment other people's lives? So um, I wish I could tell you like things change so fast and especially in the age of COVID. Um, I know it's gonna be around books and training. Those are my passions. I don't wanna leave those. And I've built 20 years of trying to hone those skills. Um, And it's gonna have those three words, right? I'm gonna be able to be present with my family. It's gonna make an impact and it's gonna create abundance. Hopefully that, Hopefully that's not a cheating answer. If no, you wanted to know, I'll be living answer. on an island in Peru or whatever. No, I don't, I don't know that. <laughs> like, yeah, I've got this long, beautiful hair. <laughs> that ain't happening up here, man. I, that's <laughs> over for me. So you sound, you sound like you have a very clear idea around the direction, as you said. And I'm curious to know, how, how did you identify those core values with family impact and abundance? So um, it was a little bit of a journey. You know, one of the core principles in the one thing is that when you see someone who is highly productive, um, they have a very clear sense of their priorities. And if you really know what your priorities are, um, a lot of times when you ask those people, they have a clear sense of purpose. And so in teaching the one thing, we had this hurdle, like how do people identify their purpose? And we had a whole section in the book, which I still think is totally valid about why that journey is worthwhile. But from a just an instruction standpoint, a coaching standpoint, how do you help someone um, answer a question that big? And I've been inching my way towards solutions on that. But there are a number of exercises that I've encountered over the years. Um, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown um, had a combination of that. My three words actually came after reading Essentialism by Greg McCown. There's a a paragraph in the book where he talks about the 90% rule. And it was a team making hires and they identified a handful of core criteria. And for someone to move forward in the process, it had to be a nine out of 10. Mm. And that summer, this was about 2015. That summer, um, I heard from two people who had sold their businesses or were selling their businesses because they'd read my book. And I was like, okay, I got to meet these people. Um, One of them, my wife went on a listing appointment and she said, why are you selling your house? And they said, well, we're downsizing our our world. We need to find an exit from our business. So we need to lower our our living cost. And so um, it all happened after we read this book. And she said, well, what's the book? And they said, the one thing. And she goes, well, I'm your (laughs) listing agent. Um, Definitely uh, got that business. We're still friends. They actually live in one of our rentals to this day. That's great. Um, And we're good friends with them. Um, They were running the largest CrossFit box in the world. And they were wondering if that was the right direction for them. And then I interviewed this guy. I'll call him Stu. I don't want to give um, away. I don't have his permission to tell all of the details. 
but he was running a massive online business. And he read our book and he read Essentialism. And that same section that I had, I had written in the margin, I started writing family. I wrote impact. I wrote, I didn't write abundance the first time. I think I wrote profit the first time. Um, but I started going, well, what are my, what are my key criteria? Um, I made it very personal. He'd done the same thing. And the challenge was for him is that the three measures that he wanted to live most, his business was not allowing him to do. So he was selling his business. Wow. And so I came out of that and go, okay, there's a convergence here, right? That you get a, this notion, even if it's directional about what your mission in life is about and what the things that you refuse to violate are. And so I, I actually, I look back and starting in January of 2016 on my 411 goal sheet, I always have it printed. I've got it right here. It's always with me at the top. It says family impact abundance. I just said, I'm going to start playing with this. If I have a big decision for my business and my life, can I just ask the question, is it a nine out of 10 on those three measures as best I can tell? And that'll be my vote forward or not. That became a massive tool for me to say no, Brett. That's the, the gift of that is it tells you everything you get to say no to. And there's always another opportunity around the door. So that's the origin story. Now, I'll give you a sneak preview. Um, we partnered with the folks at Best Self. We were doing an exercise and they helped us create a values deck so that people will have cues. Um, this will come out in a, in a month or so. Um, so that's like, you're the first person outside of our group to even see that box. Um, very, but we've got this cool. deck where people can go through and it has like wonder, um, growth. Um, it could be like, you know, uh, luxury. Like, I mean, some people are really highly motivated because they want stuff. And there's actually, I, I want to tell people, whatever your words are, are about you. They're not about other people. Um, that is the thing I learned from Brene Brown. She has an exercise for identifying your number one and hers is courage. And she struggled that it wasn't family. And the thing there is she realized by living courage, that was the number one thing she could do for her kids. So it is connected to family. So it's not for what other people are going to judge you on. It's what actually motivates you. That's the key. And so anybody can do it. Just grab a journal, get your cup of tea, cup of coffee. Maybe it's a glass of red. I don't know. But find some time and just ask, what are my words? If, I, if only I knew them, what would be the words that I would have to get a 9 out of 10 on for me to truly be happy with my decisions? So oh, that's so good. That is, that is incredible. I was, I, I've recently been going very deep in you know, the, the vision aspect, and it's allowed me to become so much more purposeful in every single day to really understand is, is the decision that I'm about to make with this choice is this action going to be in alignment with what is going to get me to where that is in 10 years, five years, three years, whatever, one year, doesn't mm -hmm. matter. Is this going to have the type of impact that I'm looking for? Yes or no. It, having depth and clarity and, and real clarity on that is so gratifying. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about, we call it goal setting to the now. How do you yep. take that distant future and connect it to the decision you're making now? And a lot of times when people don't ask the question, like you just asked it, they make decisions that make 100% sense right now. Mm -hmm. You know, right now in COVID, we should do this. But it might be moving you the opposite direction of where you actually truly want mm -hmm. to be. And um, I'll just say this, because a lot of people are like, 
I don't know what I want for lunch today. How can I know what I want to be in 10 years? I do think it's directional, right? I think very few people have a very specific destination in mind. But I'll tell you from working with Gary Keller um, for all the years, I remember he was talking about buying a ranch, right? He's got a, a family ranch. It's like 1,200 acres now. He's grown it and grown it. But I remember he showed me on a piece of paper because I've been reading up on it. And he figured out what he thought it would cost. He figured out the kinds of amenities he would want to have on it. And he had gone to the trouble of figuring out what he thought it would cost him in taxes and to run it and to keep the lights on every single year. And then he'd done the math because that's the way he thinks of how much money would he have to set aside not only to buy it and build it, but to create essentially an annuity that would pay the expenses so that if his family and his kids love that place, it would always be in the family, no matter what happened to his business. And the thing, my lesson here is the clearer we get about our vision, the more likely it is to happen, but it's also okay for it to be a little fuzzy, especially the farther out it gets. Does that sound totally contradictory when I say that? I mean, we can aspire, it makes sense. but you don't need to beat yourself up for not having it. Yeah. I think it totally makes sense. So how do, how do you coach people in working through that concept of, of enoughness? You know, I, I don't, I think it's like a developing type of conversation around, I need to do more of this, or you need to do more of that. You're not enough of this. I'm not this person, you know, and constantly living through this, uh, this image of whatever's on Instagram and the Facebooks and the, the TikToking. And I don't, I'm still not on TikToks. So I really, I don't, I don't, I don't get it really. I, I claimed my name just so that somebody <laughs> doesn't claim the handle J Papazan and go fun, have fun with it. You've got a name, Brett Kelly. Nobody assumes that's actually you. Cause I'm sure there's a few of them out there. That's, that um, is, that's true. That's true. Yeah. So my, my best practice is whenever a new platform shows up, I go grab my name and then delete it off my phone. <laughs> and if it becomes relevant later, really good. I'll, I'll play with it. That's really well, good. Well, I actually, actually got that. There was a, a young football player. I can't remember his name. That got drafted by the Cleveland Browns and he didn't have his name on Twitter and someone had taken over his handle and everything and was treating and, and really treating embarrassing stuff. And people thought it was him. Oh, that's terrible. And I thought, okay. Your name is your personal brand. Um, you need to go just grab it and treat it like a yard sign, right? I want to own my yard signs on all of these. And just, yep. even if it just, nothing's there, at least nobody else can take it. That's uh, such so, a good idea, man. That's, Okay, so back to your actual question. Yes, okay, we digress. Yes. Um, how do we how do we get um, past the the I wants and the you know like a kid in a store? I want it. I want it. Mm -hmm. There is this sense of what I don't have. We want it, but we often don't need it at all. And then the 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 lens with which we're seeing the world, how much stuff gets posted that's all cheerful and everything and perfect. Right. And, you know, even Zoom is adjusting my image right now, right? So, like, it's not even real. Like, there's warts and everything. And people um, have fights with their spouses, even if they have happy marriages, right? I mean, it's just nobody walks on water, to put it figuratively. Right. But a lot of us are judging ourselves by an impossible standard. So, I think there's two things. Um, we had to define success to write the one thing. That's what our goal was. How do we... What, how do people achieve extraordinary success? 
And we wrestled with that. And at the end, the most logical answer that we could find is success is getting what you want. And that means whatever you truly decide that you really want to have becomes your measure of success. The challenge is most people haven't defined it. And so there is no finish line for them. And when you have no finish line, you'll always be looking for the next thing. You're just on the hamster wheel. Yep. And so the first challenge is to ask, like, what do I truly believe is what I, I, I want and need? You know, like, I would like to make enough money that we don't have to worry about money. I'd like to have enough passive income so that I can retire and do the things I want to do. I think it's good to dream and aspire. And you can set a pretty high bar for those things. But if there's no finish line, people are always going to be moving the goalpost on themselves. So you and I both are familiar with real estate agents. Yep. I think a lot of them build incredible businesses. They'll make a half million, a million dollars a year. Right. But because so much of what we see, our production is public, there's always someone who's going to be doing more. Mm-hmm. And so people, they, they keep jumping through, the, you know, they get to the end zone and they move the goalposts farther away on themselves. So I actually think that continual growth is a great habit, but you also need at some point going like, okay, we did it. We did it. We can celebrate this. Um, I think that we can keep, you know, moving forward, but we don't have to keep like doubling. Yeah. Um, the challenge here is I, I, the metaphor of the swimming shark. I don't even think that's true, right? Because I do think they can just be still in the water. But I do believe that if we're not growing, we are diminishing. Yes. I don't believe that anywhere in nature allows you to just hibernate in place. So I do believe that you've kind of got to be at least moving forward, but that can be a comfortable gait, right? It can be a wonderful stroll through the woods. This idea that we're always sprinting to the next thing is what we have to break out of. Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And, it, you know, I think that the, the struggle with enoughness is people, you know, that them just wanting something, that's just the message. You know, it's very surface level. They just want that based on what they're saying it is. It's the meta message and what they truly believe about that message that is the huge differentiator there and really understanding why do you want to double in production? Why? What, literally, why? What is important what? to you about that? The question to ask, it, that is a great question. What you often hear when you ask someone, why is that important to you? There's two questions I ask. Why is that important to you, Brett? And then I hear their aspiration, what they believe might happen. The second question you have to ask if you're coaching someone through this is, um, Brett, what will happen if you fail? What will mm-hmm. happen if that just becomes impossible? And if someone just says, well, I'll go to the next thing, well, then there's no meat on that bone. That is just something they decided they wanted to do, but there's no consequence if they fail to do it. Um, part of my mission statement, right? This actually is what precedes those three words is to be the best husband and father I can be. Because on my journey, I realized that that's, a, that's where that family, right? That first word is I want to always be living what I tell my kids to live. So I'm, I'm in integrity with them, which is a high bar. And I want to constantly be earning the respect of my wife. I don't want to take that for granted, right? And it's really easy for me. What's the consequence of failure is that my wife no longer respects me. 
-hmm. And my kids don't respect me either because I'm not practicing what I preach. And that consequence hits me right square in the middle of the chest. I don't like to think about it for too long because it's painful and it's very motivating. Now, is that kind of barf cheesy? Yes, but it's what motivates me. And so what motivates you is what motivates you. The implication part of all of it, that's what even in, in sales or just general conversations that you have with people, I mean, that that's the part that is oftentimes just very, very much lacking and is not there at all. And in turn, you you don't know if you need to need payoff portion there because mm-hmm. you don't know what the impact or the effects are going to be if you do the the adverse of, of all of it, you know? Man, yeah. I think that, I mean, the lesson I'm hearing and what you're aiming us is, I think that if people will just take a little bit of time, it's not a lot of time to contemplate where they're going, why it's important. I would add, is there a consequence to not getting there? Are we truly motivated or is this just very aspirational? Um, And there's nothing wrong with aspirational goals. Just understand that your motivation is a lot more about what other people will think about you than what you'll think of yourself. Um, and ultimately that ladder is probably a bigger pain that we want to avoid than the other one. I don't know. It might be personal to people. Yeah. But I just think a little bit of thoughtfulness around this goes a long way. It doesn't mean you need to wake up every day, cross your legs on the floor and meditate on it. I think it's one of those things that if you spend a day, you know, one day a year, you go on a retreat. That's been our practice for 14 years. And we step out of our lives and we just ask, how's it going? Are we pleased with the direction we're going? And where do we want to go and why? We ask those questions. Um, once you do that, you can just kind of revisit them from time to time. Um, it's the first time you ask those questions. What are my values? What, where am I going? That are, I, I agree, it can take some time. But once you've established a hypothesis for those, you can start dating it. You know, like testing it out. How did that feel? You just have to reflect a little bit and then you get, it gets, it can be become, it, it becomes, I won't even say it can, it becomes very powerful in your life to start to have a compass that allows you to know roughly where you're going and why the other directions just won't work for you. That's great, man. I, I know you and Wendy have the, the goal setting retreat. You've got one for, there, there's the couples retreat. And then yep. you've also got the, the individual or team uh, retreat as well, right? That's correct. We typically, when it's a live event, it's one event and okay. we have breakouts for the two groups because originally it started as a couple's goal setting retreat. Um, 14 years ago, we had um, young kids, two kids just barely out of diapers. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time for our marriage. Our kids were 16 months apart. And we're both struggling with our careers. And my wife just said, hey, let's, let's get a babysitter. We had no family in town and let's go spend the night somewhere and, and get back connected. And it wasn't just a romantic getaway. She had two pages of questions that we were going to work our way through um, about how do we feel about our marriage and how do we feel about our romantic life and how do we feel about how we're doing with our kids and our finances. She just pulled them all off the web. Um, I was shaking. I mean, I was like so <laughs> nervous. I was like, I, I must be in so much trouble. Um, but it was, it was a tough conversation and that I was nervous to have it, but it was very, um, it was so great to get on the same page and to have a non-judgmental space. Somebody wasn't irritated at somebody. We were just saying, Hey, 
you know, it would be really nice if you could be more present, right? If you didn't look at your phone at the dinner, like it wasn't happening in the moment where people get irritated and blah, 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 blah. We actually worked through a lot. We, our relationship became stronger and we ended up talking about it so much that everybody started asking us for the questions. And so we started getting more and more formal with it for ourselves while I was writing the one thing book, we started bringing all of that methodology to it. Mm. And then, you know, asking questions in each of the big areas of our lives and all of that, we got, it, we just dialed it in. And then about three years ago, we started hosting it. And this year, because it's COVID, we're virtually doing it. And it made sense to divide the audiences, right? If I'm there as a solo, you know, I'm alone. I don't have my partner yet. Um, I just, I don't need to be hearing lots of stories about what I don't have. Yeah, so right. it worked. Yeah, no, that I, I think it's a great idea to have them separated like that. And it, it sounds that, through having those deep conversations, just it, when you and Wendy started doing that retreat together, it, it created a much more resilient relationship that you guys have, which is still, you know, thriving to this day. Have you guys always been on the same page in terms of your, your drive together or your ability to tackle goals? Have you guys always been in alignment with that? Oh, no, not at all. What did it used and, to and we're still not all the time. I mean, it takes work. It's an active process. Um, she runs a business. I'm an employee. I own businesses and we own businesses together. Um, we have a big life now. And I think that um, a lot of people you shared with me, a lot of people listening to this are self-employed. They might be business owners. Mm -hmm. I think that um, when you're running your own business, it's very exciting. Um, a lot of people who do that um, are all in and they're moving fast and there's so much you have to do to run a business. Um, it's just so much and it can be very exciting. And I would compare it to like maybe the best roller coaster that you've ever been on. Sometimes a little scary, might leave you queasy sometimes, but all in all, like you're excited, you run to get back in line. The challenge in the marriage, right? This is where I'm coming to me and Wendy is when one person, right, is running the business, they're on the front row, their eyes are open and their hands are up and they're screaming with glee the spouse often wasn't involved in the business planning. They don't understand the real priorities of the business on a, on a shifting day-to-day -day basis. So it's kind of like they're on the roller coaster, but they got a blindfold on. They don't know when the next curve's coming. It's not comfortable for them. And they just feel like they're being ragdolled through every week and month of the year. And so our discovery, because we're both kind of doing that to each other, was that if we just step back and said, here's what I'm planning for our publishing business, right? And this, and what does that look like? We started to really understand the decisions that we were making for each other and being a lot more prepared. Like, I'm not always comfortable. She's a real estate agent. She likes to throw a party in our house the night before I'm going to be on stage for eight hours, <laughs> right? And that's, that's not what I want, right? And, but it's what she needs to run her business. So now, like, she'll say, hey, I know it's the night before your big event. All these people are in town and they're going to see you on stage. So I rented a hotel room for you. There you go. And you can go and have your prep time and quiet time. And I'm going to do my thing. Now we just, but we know where we're going, right? Yep. Marriages don't just run lockstep. Neither do partnerships, by the way. Yep. Right. You're going to go in and out of sync. That is life because we're both evolving human beings. But if we don't stop to communicate about it, we never have the opportunity to explain why I'm moving away right now and why that doesn't mean I'm abandoning the marriage or the partnership. It just means I need to have this time or this thing and I'll come back stronger and better.
most people see that divergence and they think, oh no, and they don't want to address it. The right thing to do is to talk about it, to understand it, and then support it. So whether it's a, a family cohort or a business relationship, how frequently are you seeing these conversations needing to take place? We have a, a pretty formal rhythm for it. Um, each year, sometime between October and December, we do our family goal setting retreat. Um, that's also coincides with the time that as a business, we tend to set our goals for next year, right? Um, the executives will huddle and say, Where, what's our, what is 2021 gonna look like? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's the best practice for business, we're just employing at home. So it's a natural time to be asking what's next. Um, then on a monthly basis, right? We have our business plan for the year. I like to also include a five-year vision each year, right? Where are we going in five years? That's about as far as I can, from a business standpoint with technology and change, so much is gonna happen. We can still kind of say what needs to be in place. Mm -hmm. We know that we're gonna be hiring and developing people and other things. Like right now, my wife and I, I've got a 16-year-old and a 15-year-old. When we ask about five years, we're empty nesters. Like, so that's a massive change in how we're viewing our time and our world. So we like to kind of revisit them at least once a month. So um, as a business, I know in all of Gary Keller's businesses that are moving at any kind of speed, we have kind of a state of the company meeting and that can happen virtually or it can happen in person depending on what's happening um, or it can just be a report but there's that natural rhythm, right? At the minimum, we're gonna look at the balance sheet, the profitability, what our org chart looks like. There's a handful of things, you know, how does this, ref we said we were gonna do this this year. Are we on track? What do we have to do? What's changing in our business environment? So we do kind of a, an executive meeting for our family and for our businesses at least once a month. That's great. What is the, What's the most unproductive thing that you're doing on a regular basis? That's oh, just like, just eating you up when you, when you think back on it. I'm going to give you a twist on that. I think that um, I don't, I don't have any aspirations to be this perfect business performance machine. That's good. So, That's really you know, good. I set out to read, you know, 40 or 50 books a year. I usually say 50, like one a week with a couple off. Um, but I, I intentionally alternate between fiction and nonfiction. Um, there is zero productivity really that's coming from me reading, you know, the latest spy novel or mystery or whatever it is. But um, sometimes it's perfectly okay to be unproductive because we need to unplug. Um, we need our brain to reset and then we can lean in to the learning when the learning comes. Um, you know, I remember getting Gary, like he never read any fiction and I gave him a copy of ready player one <laughs> and he reads a lot now and he reads alternate fiction and it's really good. I mean, we learn about the human condition in fiction. I mean, I do think that whether we not, conscious or not, we're learning our vocabulary. Mm -hmm. um, reading is just inherently good for us, but it doesn't always have to be this pure business stuff. So I don't know. Um, most of the time when I'm actually frustrated, it's poorly run meetings, mm -hmm. um, meetings without an agenda. Um, 
those are the things that waste my time. Um, emails that didn't need to happen. Um, those are things that are, you know, everybody suffers through if they work in business and life. Um, but there's also a lot of, that I want to be, I'm not being productive from a business standpoint, but I am from a human being standpoint. I want to go into the meetings portion that, that you just mentioned is that that always fascinates me when you have a, a very intense, a lot of conflict, like really good meeting that you're just identifying issues and you're crushing them and you're walking out of there. Like, I know exactly what I've got to go do when the mm -hmm. meeting's going sideways and you had said, you know, just really frustrating for you. I, I can relate. So what are some of the things that you have done with your team to increase engagement, especially through the virtual world and, and the, the COVID era? Great question. I think that um, I'll just use Zoom, right? Because a lot of us are using that. Whether it's Google Hangouts, the same thing. Um, one rule is they have to have their camera on. Mm. I think very early on, we could see who was and wasn't engaged. Right. You know, those people who had their cameras off, um, if they weren't a problem, then they were, it was showing up soon. They were not engaged. And and some of those are no longer in our businesses, right? They just did not make the adjustment. Right. Um, so first and foremost, um, I'm going to ask them to turn their cameras on. I want to see them nodding and I'm going to, I'm going to switch my view. I'm going to pin their thing and I'm going to look closely. I'm going to know, are they looking at their phone or are they looking at the camera? Yep. So, um, and I'm not going to scold anybody publicly, but I might go to their manager and say, hey, you might want to check in on so-and-so. I just don't feel like they're engaged right now. Mm -hmm. So as the leader, we have to be watching. Um, you know, I think Gary has preached and I love it. You know, the whole idea of management by walking around. Um, Sam Walton would just drop in on stores and work a register for a while. And you get the vibe of how the culture is and I would try to get up when we worked in the office and just kind of walk through the cubicles and check in on people. Um, and it, it's, it's unpredictable and it's, it's meant to be that way, but you get a sense of what's happening. That's very hard to do right now. Yeah. So I think that a great meeting, um, I don't mind crowdsourcing the agenda. If there's not like this, a, a standing meeting, there's probably rituals, like there's updates that have to happen. But then um, I'll usually use the chat. If we haven't done it beforehand, I'll ask, if you've got an agenda item, let's get them in the chat right now. Because I want to be working through it with a purpose. Otherwise, you have so many opportunities to get hijacked. And I can't even tell you, Brett, you've hijacked the meeting because there's no agenda for the meeting. Right. So, um, but if we have over there, I can see it in the chat. I would say, look, so it looks like we need to talk about four things. Um, I'm going to suggest we do them in this order. Unless there's any objections, let's dive in. So who's got number one? What's your question? I usually, it's one thing for them just to inform us. I usually say, please let us know what that is and what you need from us. Mm. Because I, I, I wanted there to be a reason that we're just sharing this. We're not just filling time. Um, if we get through the agenda and there's 15 minutes left in the hour. I usually ask, is there anything else we need to address? And then let's go. Let's go back to work. I, let's get our time back. Um, but sitting into the meeting, until the end of the hour is a waste of time. Yep. Um, and I just want to have a purpose. And so there's a lot in bigger businesses, there's lots of meetings that you may not control, but you can always ask, hey, um, 
I'm so happy we're all here together. Um, what's our what's the goal of this meeting? What are we trying to accomplish? Oh, and if it good. hasn't been stated, a lot of people don't do it. I mean, think about how many meetings get set like hours before it has to happen. Yeah. But there's always an opportunity for people to raise your hand and say, hey, I want to be able to contribute as much as I can. Can you just make sure I'm clear? What are we here to accomplish? What's the agenda for this meeting? I was meeting some with people someone this like, morning and, and actually yeah. talking about going into, but he, he was asking some questions around, uh, you know, meetings that, that we've had going on recently. And I was, I was explaining to him, he's on our, you know, within our, our organization as well. And I was talking about using the, just to take a quick glance, using the impact filter before I go into a meeting and mm -hmm. just at least to see what's the purpose and what has to be true in order for us to hit this purpose, like what yeah. has to have happened. And it, it's great that you had, you know, kind of solidified that. Not that I was doubtful by any means, but that you're you're going through those motions as well. What is the goal in this in this meeting? Why are we doing this? That's awesome. I generally find I don't get to control this a lot. A lot of people really like to brainstorm in person, and it's they call it collaboration, and it can work. Um, all the research I've read says that if you really want to have full engagement, give people the problem they're going to brainstorm on before the meeting and ask them to show up with an idea to share. And um, that way, some of the people who may not be assertive um, or who don't think it's speed, and they, they might be the best idea in the room, but if you just state the problem in the moment, it's usually the same handful of people that dive in. They have fast, agile minds, and or they're just very assertive or they think a lot of their own ideas sometimes. And so it's not always the most productive outcome. Um, and then it, it's less to manage. So that's one of the, the common ways that meetings go sideways is they devolve into brainstorming. And there's no format, there's no framework that really allows everyone to participate and donate their ideas. And in those, if I'm part of the leadership team, I sometimes will go back and and just check in with people. Hey, that meeting went really fast. Did you have an idea that didn't get surfaced? Because I know that there are some smart people that just don't, they're just not gonna speak up. That doesn't mean that they're not valuable, right? Especially when the camera is off and they're on mute. That, that's well, that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I, wanna, I wanna ask you, man, about your, some of the before. research. Some that of the doesn't research. happen that much more. I don't see that very often at all. I don't either. Uh, no, I now got... know if that happens that someone might be, um, maybe they're moving from one space to the other and don't want to make his car sick. Yeah. Or they turned off their camera so they could run to the bathroom. And I think we've, in some ways, organizationally, in a lot of the organizations I've seen, that conversation's happened and people kind of know that they need to have their camera on. But we still get- so, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. No, you're- no, it's fine. We still get the mute every once in a while, but when it's coming from the the individual, maybe there's, there, I know they don't have a dog. I know that they live, you know, either just with a roommate or something like that. I'm like, all right, why are we on mute? What's going on? What are your thoughts for the day? I think, I think that um, mute is fine, but they they need to speak up. I, I'd like yeah. to see them participate. I think that a lot of times, if I have to like a. a We've all been there, like that meeting where someone didn't mute themselves and is making a big racket. 
So I think that is like good best practice to mute yourself and then unmute yourself and talk. Mm -hmm. That's great. No. Yeah, that's great. What tell me, tell me about your morning routine or what are the habits of Jay? Um, so this morning we got up at 510. Um, nope, 530. I'm sorry, we've changed in COVID. I'm so conditioned to have a 530 <laughs> workout. We were able to do it at six now. Um, but we, uh, we have to do a virtual workout now um, where we have our trainer on a Zoom call. Nice. But my wife and I work out um, three days a week. So we tend to get up early um, around 530. And um, we'll work out for an hour. Um, we'll eat breakfast together. Um, that's usually when I get my reading time in. Um, my dog, it's nice to have your dog cuddled up, like start your day with some unconditional love. Um, and then I usually, the last thing I do before I kind of transition shower and get ready for work is I'll take a look at my calendar. Um, and I've always got my goals with me. I'm just kind of reminding myself, what are the big priorities that I said I was going to do? Um, I really don't check email until about 8 a.m. in the morning. I really try because that's almost never gonna be something that aligns with my priorities. Yep. Um, it's gonna be something else. So I, I, the challenge is, can we look at our goals before we get into our email or before we get into social media mm -hmm. where we're likely to kind of get caught up in other people's ideas and priorities? Yep. Um, that way I can at least kind of feel like I can start my day pretty focused. Fires are gonna happen, right? That's just life. Um, but if I can get a couple of good hours in every day over the long haul, that'll make the difference. I love it. That's a, that's a solid morning routine, especially the fact of sticking with your priorities and being intentional about your priorities, not everybody else's. You've got an agenda, so do they. Let's keep them separate. Yeah. It's a battle. I mean, if you're self-employed, it's a little easier, right? The only person who's fighting um, to give you new priorities is often our customers. And that's really about expectation setting, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you let them know, and then you follow up on those expectations, Hey, I return all calls between 12 and one o'clock, right? Now they know, and that you've taught them that you will follow up. They're not dialing your number 10 times between 10 30 and 11 when you're supposed to be doing something else. Yep. Um, so you have to, you have to think those things through in advance and you can keep your calendar relatively clear at least at least early in the morning jay what's uh while we get everything wrapped up here what's one piece of advice you'd like to share with the audience um you know it's that time of year um we talked about it i think it, it, it's a great investment um a lot of people have experienced an unbelievable amount of change this year um, some of us have really had some heartbreaking losses and um, it's a great time to kind of get zeroed in on where you're going and why you want to get there and who you are. So if you haven't made that investment, if you haven't slowed down to get directionally right, um, what we talked about, that's huge. Um, and I, I, this time of year, I'm usually trying to launch my year on a really solid trajectory, you know, based on where I'm going, are there any habits I'm missing? Um, you know, we have in the book, this idea of a 66 day challenge and, you know, um, you know, we've now connected with BJ Fogg and some of the experts. It's not a hundred percent true that 66 days into repetition of something, it forms a habit, but directionally that's very close to right. And it's a lot better than 21 days or 30 days that most people give it because that's, 
almost universally going to be untrue. So, you know, if you can identify a behavior that would really change your world in 2021, what a cool time to start practicing it. Maybe I want to get up early. You know, we're going to fall back this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of um, another author taught me. That's a great time to, if you really want to get an extra hour in your day, just keep getting up at the same time. Yep. I love that. You know, you, no sleep deprivation, you know, maybe it's a uh, regular exercise. Maybe you're going to start meal prepping. Um, I'm sure that there's something in your life that one new habit would improve. And I found when people make a difference, maybe it's just meditating five minutes a day. It's something really small. What they realize is they actually have a lot more agency in their life than they thought they did. And that gives them permission to start making other changes and moving in a positive direction. That's, that's fantastic. So Jay's going to be allowing us to, to have some content in the BTL toolbox. We're going to have the, uh, the 66 day challenge in there for, for all the listeners. Mm-hmm. And in order for everybody to, to access the content that's in there, you can make a charitable donation. And Jay, what is the charity that you are suggesting here? For close to a decade, my wife and I have been volunteering our time for a charity called heroesforchildren.org. Um, It was two moms who lost their daughters to cancer and in the process saw that while they had a lot of material support, they had money, they had churches that were hating them, um, aiding them. I didn't sound right when it came out. They had a lot of aid. Um, Many, many families, um, typically one parent has to give up their job to support the child through chemo. Other children are trying to do their homework in hospitals and in waiting rooms and hotels because they have to drive um, to these centers where they can get the treatment. Um, And there's a lot of gaps. You know, insurance doesn't pay for hotels or gas. They don't pay for laptops for the other kids. And so this uh, charity um, supports families with kids going through cancer and uh, covers a lot of those costs. That is awesome. That, that's great. Well, would love to to help and support that as as much as we can to to contribute. Uh, I, I love the purpose and and cause that you've got there. Well, well, I went to an event and it pulled on my heartstrings, so I got involved. How could and it not? yeah, <laughs> it's kind of every parent's greatest fear, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jay, this this was awesome, man. I really appreciate you coming on here. A lot of really great insight. Uh, and it's great getting, getting a little deeper on some of these questions that we've, we've navigated here, man. Thank you. Um, I just want to appreciate you. Um, you are incredibly prepared as a host. It shows, um, I can tell that you made a big investment and showing up to make sure that you're serving your audience as best you can. And I listened to one of your other interviews to prepare for this one. So I know that this is not a one-off. So thank you for being intentional. Um, so that the people who are tuning in, um, they know what they're going to get and you deliver on it. That's it. That's, that's what, what I'm here to do is, is to serve others. That's it. Awesome. Thank you. Hey, we'll appreciate it, Jay. Everybody stay tuned for the next episode. We will see you then.